When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky. I'm joined, as I am every single Sunday going into Monday morning, Nico DLG on the ones and twos, making sure I sound pretty. He's behind the scenes. Nico, we've got a full show as we do every single time we hop on the airwaves. We have some news of day, and then we have some unanswered questions headed into the season hopefully they'll get answered as we go along through this season but some things that I want to pose to the listener to you to the Houston Texas organization whoever is out there listening before we kick off the season it's right around the corner we are rapidly approaching it it felt like football was in the air this weekend with the first real college football action this week but before we get to all of that Nico how are you doing? How was your weekend, man? Uh, it was good. I, I had my uh, my sister came back into town, so we've been we've been chilling. It's been a good time. Love it. A, a f- family filled weekend for the both of us. Absolutely love that. Nico, do you get into college football at all? I, I I'm a huge college football fan. Uh, a huge. I get into all of the. I guess you could call me a college football nerd. I get into all the recruiting. I get into. I watch all the games on Saturday. I'm watching Pac-12 after dark. And so this last weekend, it really felt like we were into fall, into the football season. It really felt like we were all the way back with a full college slate. Uh, yeah, I've always been. A, I've always been an active hater, but that's because I hate all the business side of college. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's fair enough. There are plenty of people who uh, who feel that way, but once it gets between the gridiron, I mean, football is football too, and so I, I enjoy throwing that on as well. And so I was I was a happy camper to be sure, and now we have just a few days between us and the start of the NFL season. Wanted to get to some unanswered questions headed in, but first let's get to some really cool Houston Texans news. So the other day this broke, I know – I saw it from Twitter stuff on Good Morning America, but it is all over the place. The Houston Texans doing a few things for the Uvalde High School. Of course, it was the scene of the tragic shooting where so many teachers, students were shot by a gunman at the Uvalde School, Uvalde Elementary School. And obviously, just a horrible, horrible situation. I'm sure if you have... uh, a social media account if you watch the news at all read any sort of newspaper talk to anyone you saw this news and so this was something that really marked the entire country there's all sorts of legislation that happened coming out of this around uh guns and around second man rights all sorts of conversations all sorts of reactions all sorts of stories uh, and so coming into this football season and into this school year you have the Houston Texans who are doing a few things for Uvalde. They are supporting the football team with new gear, new 
uh, cleats, gloves, jerseys. They have the Uvalde football team coming out for the home opener against the Colts, and they're going to have Uvalde-themed decals on their helmets. And so that was a really cool thing. It's a really cool thing that Houston is going to be doing, the Texans are going to be doing. It's a really cool moment of kind of – uh, one of the, the big NFL teams in the state coming alongside this community that obviously still so much pain going away from this. I can't even imagine those families, that community trying to pick themselves back up after this horrible tragedy. But it's also, Nico, I don't want to, obviously this is a much bigger thing than sports, but this is why, one of the reasons why you, me, sports fans love sports is because sports go outside of the stuff that happens on a football field. I mean, you think about moments like the Boston Red Sox coming onto the field and, and kind of taking back the city, taking back the emotions of the city after the Boston Marathon bombing. You have that uh, moment that will live certainly in my head and in a lot of sports he fans' heads uh, of uh, Big Poppy coming out on the field and saying, this is our bleeping city. You and, and that goes from pros all the way through. I mean, we just had, if you watch the Notre Dame-Ohio State game, you had uh, the story of C.J. Stroud, this incredibly touted quarterback, but he felt alone. He had uh, the, the sportscasters doing the game. I believe Kirk Herbstreit said that Stroud said he had $7 to, to in his pocket coming to the campus, and the family of one of his receivers and his uh, eventual roommate, uh, uh, Smith and Jigba, they took him under his wing, and now they're so close that they spend holidays. They go on vacations together. They spend holidays together uh, and, and taking this kid that they don't even know under their wing and treating him like family to make sure that he's welcome in this new atmosphere of college. And, you know, it even goes down to the high school level. I know that when I was covering a, a floods a couple of years back, high school football teams left school early to help uh, police and fire departments fight the river and push the river back with sandbags helping to set up all sorts of blockades on roads to make sure that these floodwaters weren't getting to houses and so cool sports moments like that are so much of a reason so much of a bigger reason of why we all love sports and it brings so many communities and so many people that would never cross paths together and it has a real unifying it can have and there's obviously ugly parts of sports but it does have a real unifying power uh, across all sorts of uh, divides and uh, it brings together people for that are uh, separated by miles and by countries and by oceans and uh, by all sorts of situations and circumstances and brings people together across all sorts of horrible situations. All that to say, this is a really cool thing. It's going to be a really awesome atmosphere, I think, for that home opener. And it's a really great reminder of why we love sports and the good part of what sports can be i really loved everything about this and i'm looking forward to that home opener what do you think nico oh yeah you know it's always nice to see that you know that the true like actual heart that sports gives you know it's that momentary reminder like also a little bit of escapism like yeah there's a lot of pain there but you know at least we can all get together and watch the game and kind of move away from it for a little bit well like i don't want to blow it out like obviously I don't want to blow it crazy out of proportion. Like the Texans have plenty of money to buy jerseys, right? Uh, yeah. But at like the it's, same, a, it's, it's not, yeah. If, if there's anything these organizations have, it's, it's money. <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, like, like those kids are going to keep those 
those cleats forever now and say yeah. instead of thinking about like having to go back to school in that community where they just uh, are, are a few uh, short months removed from uh, from a, a horrible 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 thing that happened they're gonna be talking about how the Houston Texans are buying them their gear and so that it's stuff like that where it, it is really a, a big deal and I don't know. It's a cool thing. It's just a reminder of why I love sports so much is that it does have the capability to do some really amazing things for people like that. It's a great way to start out the year. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right. So now that we've got some news of day done and talked about, again, be looking forward to that uh, happening at the, the Colts opener to start the season for the Houston Texans. So now I'd like to move over to our main segment of the the podcast unanswered questions headed into the season now these are some things that i'm hoping get answered for the houston texans later on but these are some questions i have about this team about this franchise about this roster headed into the season and i'm also going to give you i'm going to try and predict what week i think these questions are answered so let's get into it first thing i have is there a tight end that can emerge on this roster now if you look at the depth chart following the cut according to outlanders you have brown jordan howard now brown pharaoh brown he is the starter last year career year for him 23 receptions 171 yards zero touchdowns then you have the rookie out miami jordan 20 178 and three teeters last year and then of course you have howard coming over from the Bucks, 14-135 and one score last year. Now, we spent a lot of time on the podcast on Friday talking about Howard. I'm not going to get into him too much other than to say, reiterate the point I made. After five years in the NFL, there's a chance that you are who your stats and your play on the field say that you are, especially when you've been – he's been on the same team. Uh, I, I know that he spent some time on the Bills, uh, but that was – his regular season time has been spent on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the last uh, five seasons and in multiple different systems. He might be uh, just a, a deep roster tight end. He might just be somebody who comes in every once in a while and is the third guy on a team. So really when it comes down to it, you're looking for Farrell Brown or uh, the rookie or excuse me, the sophomore to build on the season he had last year. Now Farrell Brown, he's, his career year is 23 receptions, 171 yards. Now, he hasn't had a crazy amount of opportunity, but I don't know if he's going to be the star that kind of breaks through as a receiving option for this team. I think it is going to be Jordan. And, you know, you look at his Miami stats, he was very solid, nothing absolutely insane. You weren't looking at him as a top tight end going into this season. Uh, Brevin Jordan for the Miami Hurricanes. If you look at his junior campaign in 2020, he had 576 yards, seven touchdowns. He did average 15.2 yards per catch, which is uh, a pretty good mark. I looked at his scouting report because I know that one of the things that you probably want in one of these tight ends is to solidify themselves as not only a pass catcher, but also really good in the run game that's something that you definitely want from one of these guys and something that i don't think has been super dependable looking at uh, this is according to uh draft the nfl draft network 
his scouting report does talk about his capability and ability in the running game, but it's something that he definitely needs to polish up, needs to get stronger in. But he has been utilized a lot or was utilized a lot in Miami as a run blocker and can show his chops there. I know that a couple, uh, I think it was the 23rd of August, there was the ESPN report uh, or the story about Brevin Jordan talking about how he has on his lock screen, I think it is, the tight ends, the eight tight ends taken ahead of him. Uh, real quick pause here. Nico, are we done? Are we out on the stories of the draft picks tracking all of the guys and keeping the names of all the guys that were taken ahead of him? Is that a played out story? I feel like I hear that about every draft pick now. They're just they, they, the competition runs deep. I guess I don't know. <laughs> like I feel I kind like of like I kind of expect you to take a chip on your shoulder if you think you're really good and you're the and you're taken in the fifth round. There's a ton of tight ends taken ahead of you, but I don't know. Maybe I don't need to hear about it from every single draft prospect. Maybe I just need to. Maybe you could just tell me that you've worked on some things that you saw in film from last year. I don't know. I feel like I don't want to be too hard on him. Like obviously you try and find the motivation you, that you, you can use to get better but I, I feel like we've heard a lot of these stories it feels like it's where it, the shine is wearing off for these stories let's put it that way yeah like at first you're like man that's a really competitive mindset and it's like well I do that too it's like okay maybe it wasn't as competitive as I originally thought if when everyone's every got it single player is doing it it starts to be you know what actually I probably would have taken some of those guys <laughs> Hey, are you working on, do you have like a screenshot of like you messing up really badly and like, oh, I would never want to do that again. Like maybe we can get to that. Like maybe personal improvement is where we should be. Uh, Yeah, I just, I maybe, I think it's, I think we're hearing it a little too much now. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being cynical. I, you know what, whatever motivation gets them out of bed, uh, we'll run with it. But anyways, all of that to say, it seems like of this group, Brevin Jordan is the one who's got to step forward. So really maybe a better question isn't, is there a tight end that can emerge, but can Brevin Jordan take the next step? Nevertheless, you need somebody who's going to be a well-rounded tight end. I don't think you want somebody like, uh, as good as Jimmy Graham was, I think this team needs a tight end who can also block and be an asset in the running game. And maybe it is kind of a committee thing between Jordan and Brown, but there needs to be uh, a clear step up from that group in general whether it's one player or multiple players that group needs to be better uh, on the whole this season week i think this is answered i think you find out by about week four or five if there's somebody who's going to emerge or if that guy isn't on the roster i think you find out pretty early especially with how shallow the receiving group is if that group is going to step up or if they're going to need to find another option at tight end but i think it's going to be fairly early on in the season and you, over the next couple of questions, you'll understand why I think that one is so po- important because I think it leads into a couple other things. Next question I had, can this team find an identity? I think even bad teams have an identity, whether that's like the Detroit Lions of, you know, we're just going to be a really gritty, gnarly, we're going to muck these games up, but we're going to fight like crazy to at least be in these games. You can be a, a team that – is a ground and pound team that really churns out the yards and uh, and really wins in the trenches. You can be a team that's built on defense. You can be a team that's built on spreading the ball at those deep – like the Chargers. The Chargers are a team 
that were, is one of those uh, risk takers where they're going to really go for go for it. They're going to stretch the field, and you know what? They're going to fight for it on fourth downs all the time. They don't want to punt the ball. They want to try and press the Chiefs, a deep concept team, or at least they were with Tyreek Hill. A lot of deep routes, a lot of stretching the field, a lot of, you know what? We're going to score. We're going to get down the field in a hurry. All of these are identities. I think if you don't have an identity as a team, when the going gets tough, when you're trying out different things because different teams present different challenges, right? And you've got to try out some different things. You've got to test some different areas when you're facing different opponents. But you want to have that stuff that you can fall back on. If you don't have an identity as a team and you can't fall back on stuff, when the going gets tough, I think you find yourself in a little bit of a hole. And when you are in a deficit a talent deficit like the Texans are in, I think that hole is only going to get exasperated if you don't have an identity. Now, I get that there are a young team. They're trying to find some stuff. They're trying to find if a lot of positions, if those are the guys they're going to go with for the future or if they're going to have to move on in this next draft class. So I get some of that stuff can be shaky, but you can still find an identity if you're a bad team. Heck, even the 76ers found an identity, and that was that, you know what? We're going to collect talent. We're going to trust the process. We're going to be bad. I don't know if you can tank in the NFL. I don't know if that's something you can actually do. But whatever the identity is, they need to find an identity quickly because I'm not sure if this team has one right now. And I think if the going gets tough, I think you really need one and you really need to solidify one. And I think one way they can do that is by answering some questions with – scheme and that leads into my next question can the texans help their own line with scheme we talked about how there are some shaky pieces you have guys like tunsil you need guys you need rookies to step up potentially but i think overall this is a pretty shaky group they allowed over 40 sacks last year they're in the bottom of the league as far as pass protection is concerned uh with letting their quarterback get sacked and so can the scheme help with some of the offensive line trouble i'm talking about things like play action passes moving that pocket around getting that pocket away from pass rushers opening some stuff up trying to get some obvious quick passes going maybe some quick passing is the answer whether that's short route concepts whether that's bunch formation so you're naturally getting a receiver open because when you have a bunch formation you're stacking those receivers it's not letting a, a corner or a nickel or a safety or a linebacker press off the line and so you're naturally allowing that receiver to make a quick turn and be open immediately off the line really fast once the ball is snapped maybe that's screening maybe that's getting a ball into a running back's hands very quickly and getting guys out in space you think about not only do you have Rex Burkhead, but you know, Royce Freeman, their Oregon back, the third on the depth chart, he had a lot of that kind of stuff in the Oregon uh, offense where you think about all of the deep passes that is in the quick timing of that offense that's kind of associated still, even though Chip Kelly's gone with that Oregon offense. But really, that offense's success was predicated on short runs uh, or short passes on uh, screen game and on running game to and play action to then break open that deep shot later in the game and so Royce Freeman maybe can be somebody that can hold up in that type of offense quick stuff just helping get the ball out of Mills's hand quickly and helping get that ball moving and putting less pressure on that offensive line can be huge and then I think if you're able to do some of that stuff, help out the offensive line with scheme, 
maybe you're able to then help solve some of the identity issue as well. And if your tight ends are helping you block, helping you chip ends, but also getting out there quickly and catching balls, that can all help. So all those kind of lead into each other. And hopefully if you're able to find one, you're able to find the other. So if I'm thinking that you can have a tight end either emerge or figure out if you need to go get a tight end early in the season, week four or five, I think you can figure out if this team is going to find its identity and what its identity is around week five, six. I, I think that because the preseason is so short, there's so many rules around practice that, you know, we have kind of looked at that seat that September now as you're going to throw some stuff against the wall that isn't going to work. That's uh, you hear all players all the time refer to that as the continued preseason or extension of the preseason. So I think once the f you hit that beginning of October, that's where the rubber really seems to meet the road. And that's where you find out some teams, th some things about your team. I think that's where you're going to find if your team has an identity. Same thing with the scheme. I think you're going to figure out if the scheme is going to help if they're scheming up properly to help out the offense and if that's enough to help out the offense I think you're going to figure that out in that same week six seven range hopefully they're able to negate some of the sack problems they've had really for a few years now dating back to the beginning of the Deshaun Watson tenure in tech in Houston so those are the first three questions I have before I keep going Nico did you have any questions you wanted to throw against the wall here what are you looking for for the Texans to answer at some point this season Man, I just really hope that this 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 management can can really get something rolling because that's I feel like has been the biggest struggle for this team because there's real no I really felt like even under Bill O'Brien we had at least a little bit of leadership if it even if it wasn't great it was something and I feel like we really need that like solid rock solid base because no matter how much the individual pieces change that's always going to be like the core of your team in a way exactly so. exactly and, and you know when you look at like what the the core of this team will be like you, you still like really don't like could it be i mean there's so much hype about around damon pierce could it be a, a solid running attack is the offensive line even up to letting that be the thing or uh is it going to be built on maybe trying to find some real leaders in the deep. I don't know. It's it, you, you are right. They are do seem like a, a little bit of a rudderless ship at this point. And I think that the Texans, I already said the bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL. I think the Texans are going to be a little better than people suspect, but you know, figuring out if you have young talent, but also figuring out if you have leaders on this team wouldn't be horrible. And you think about some of the vets on this team, I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, you could count on all of them to even be in the building in a couple of years. Uh, but also, I'm not 100% sure you can count on those guys to be the sole leaders. I think you need one of the young guys to step up and kind of take over this team, which is open open for the taking if you're a young guy looking to, to grab the reins a little bit. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that with like some, some, you know, some real fire, you could really forge something really nice. I 100% agree. 100% agree. All right, let's move on. I have two more questions, and then, Nico, I'm going to need your help with this last one. But here's a couple more unanswered questions headed into this season. All right. Will Derek Stingley Jr. be able to fight through adversity? Here's what I mean by that. Weird stuff coming in with this corner. Again, we've talked about this before, but just quickly to recap, 
great freshman year, crazy good freshman year with LSU. Obviously, they win the title, the 2019 season, and he is hands down going to be a lock to be an awesome corner in the NFL. Only problem is he has to play a couple more seasons. And then throughout the next two seasons, he's really hampered by all of sorts of like, he had the weird illness coming into his sophomore year that held him out for uh, multiple games. And he was supposed to play up to, uh, if I remember correctly, he was uh, potentially supposed to play before that Mississippi State game. And then it ended up being a multiple game illness. He had all sorts of hampering injuries, late surgeries. I sidelined a lot of last year. I know that at the end of the sophomore year on Twitter, again, take it with a huge grain of salt because it's stuff that was passed around on social media but there was a contingent of people uh on that i saw at least running through college football circles who were saying that you know he's just he's exacerbating or extending these injury stays to make sure that he doesn't actually get legitimately hurt because he's just going to rest on the laurels of his first season. I think that's a pretty ridiculous to say about an elite competitor at the Division One level, especially when you have over a year to go. But that's something that was kind of floated out into uh, the, the the college football space. And so, and even if that's not something you believe, which I don't think you should, there is a real injury history coming in with him. So when he has a game, and he's a rookie, He's going to have a game in the first month that he's going to get burned a couple of times. He's going to have one of those games. And God forbid, I hope, I don't want any players to get injured. No players do I want to get injured. But if he does get dinged up in one of these games and you hear September, early October, you hear some people saying, you know what, this injury problem, it's hung through into the, his professional career. So he's just going to be the banged up corner that what could have been throughout his professional career or you know, I, they took him so high, and now he's had a game. He had a game against the Broncos early in the season where he was really torched. Is this the guy that we want to hinge our hopes on? That's going to happen. And he's had this weird last two years in college and now going to the NFL. There's going to be a couple of weeks where that happens. And so can he be mentally tough to just weather that storm? Does he have the coaches around him? Does he have the support system around him? Is he mentally tough enough to weather that storm? I hope he is because, again, you hate to have somebody's career sidelined by something as silly as uh, a conversation around a rookie because Lord knows it's tough enough to play defense in the NFL as it is, especially corner, when not only are these receivers insane, but it's such an instinctual position that it takes a while to adapt. you got to give them some time. Give them uh, the first year to adapt on a, a team that's probably going to be pretty bad Give him the first year to adapt, but that never happens. Of course, we know this. That never happens. And so does he have the mental fortitude to get through that storm after a weird couple of years? And uh, again, not only just the conversation around it, but the mental, the mental wear that it takes to fight through so many injuries. He's going to have to be mentally hardened against some of that stuff coming into this first year because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. It's going to happen. Those conversations are going to happen. Uh, and I don't think that we under, we know the answer to this question until the end of the season, unfortunately. But can he hang tough through that? That's one of the questions we need answered. I don't think it will get answered by the end of the, until the end of this season, but that's a question. I hope he hangs tough. I hope he hangs through it. People can be kind of crappy, uh, especially when it has to do with their favorite football team. I hope he hangs tough. Last question I had before I need Nico's help. Can Lovey Smith coach Houston out of being bad? 
All right, so this one, again, this is another one I'm going to say right off the top that you probably we won't know until about the end of the last couple of weeks of the season. But just take this for consideration. Head coaching record for Lovey Smith, 89-87, and 87, three double-digit win seasons. Now, headed into his tenure with the Bears, the, it's not like the Bears were super, super bad. So the first Lovey Smith season, 5-11, next one, 11-5. Headed into his tenure, you had the Bears going 7-9, and 4-12, so not great. But then you had them 2001 13 and 3. So a couple of years off of being a 13 win team, Lovey Smith takes over. He turns around and then they go to the playoffs and then they go to the Super Bowl. And then after that, they're kind of a mediocre team, have one more good season than uh, a pretty mediocre team through, uh, through most of it. So can, can he be in again? Maybe it's not a fair question to ask, but uh, what I say, Three double, four double digit, three or four double digit win seasons with the Bears. Uh, looking at his record, yeah, eleven and five, thirteen and three, uh, eleven and five, and so. Excuse me, his last season, ten six, so four. Sorry about that, folks. Four double digit win seasons with the Bears and then you have this weird tenure where it's kind of in between tenures with the Buccaneers two bad seasons with them but they were going from one uh, coaching situation and they had a, a bad roster trying to figure out where they were as a franchise going on to the other one kind of stuck in the middle there does he have the chops to show that he is because they're not going to be a double-digit win team this year, but show that he is putting this team on a trajectory where they're going to get out of this hole, I think is kind of the blueprint that you need to see, and then in the next couple of years, making his way out of that. Does he have those chops? And again, this is uh, I don't have an answer to this right now. I don't think we will have an answer to this until the end of the season, like week 15, 16, where you say, you know what? They only had a few wins, but you could see you could see the pieces of where they're trying to go, what they're trying to do with this roster. You can see where they're headed with this. I like where they're going. Uh, I like the direction it's headed. But you're not going to see that until the end of the season, and I don't even know if that's there. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And maybe you could chalk it up to just uh, the situation that he's in, but we don't know until it actually happens. That's just one of the unanswered questions that I have going into the season. All right. We're going a little bit long here, so let's wrap this right here. Last Unanswered question I have headed into the season. Will Houston suppress the win total over under? I looked up on Odd Sharks. According to Odd Sharks, that over under is set at four and a half games. Nico, what do you think? Four and a half games over under for the Houston Texans. Can they surpass that mark? I will say, I feel like we will get an inkling. We won't know, obviously, until the end of the season. But we will get an inkling of this or... We probably won't know, I should say. They could get five wins early on, but we probably won't know until the end of the season. I will say I feel like we'll get an inkling of whether they will pass us or not by the end of September. If they beat the Bears in week three and win against the Colts in week one, you're probably okay the rest of the season for three more wins. But, again, I think that you get an inkling of it, but you don't know. Uh, I don't think until the end of the season. It probably comes down to that last Jaguars game. Yeah, this is, this is definitely a 
it's kind of brutal when you say it out loud, but I, I think that I, I think we go over on this one. I think we, I think we can do five wins. I think that's plausible. Yeah, I, I, I again, we went through the whole season, so I'm not going to do that again. But there are definitely some winnable games here. I think you'll get the, the shades of if they go over or not pretty early on. But I, th- five games is definitely doable. I think we have enough talent to do at least five. That or miracles happen. You never know. Hey, you know what? Football games can be weird. We just saw this with the Florida LSU game on Sunday night. Florida games or football games can be weird. Florida State winning that game uh, on a blocked extra point. So football games can get weird, and it's anybody's game uh, unless you are really trying to give it away. And I don't think this team is going to really try and give away a ton of games. So. Let's say let's say over, and that is it for me. We will have content throughout the week. I know that we'll be back with a show Wednesday and Friday, and we'll be really looking at these this first game of the season later this week. Can't wait to do it. Can't wait to bring you guys shows throughout the rest of the week. For right now, we're starting off the week right. Hopefully, everyone that is listening to this has Labor Day off and can enjoy a nice, relaxing Monday. But either way... From Nico, from myself, Colt Molesky, thanks so much for listening to another installment of Battle Red Radio.